Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Puck and Right Chicago podcast with Shailen Brady and Megan Simmons. And it has been a little bit since we've last talked and gone over some stuff. But the good news about us taking some time off and enjoying the last week of summer is that we have a lot to talk about this week um, in terms of hockey news as training camp and the preseason approaches closer and closer. But Megan, first off, how are you doing? I am really good. I just, <laughs> I feel like I just like word vomited off, like at you before we started, <laughs> but I've had like the best day ever. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was like my perfect day of like spending time by myself and doing crafty things and just enjoying being and then trying new food. So it was, um, a very good day and I'm still having a very good day. The podcast just makes it all that much better. Well, that's so good. And yeah, like we talked for a little bit before we, we came on a the little podcast. Bit. We talked for like 30 minutes because I just couldn't shut up. Oh, well, it's okay. Cause I got home kind of late. So I was like still gathering a couple things that I wanted to include to talk about today. So while Megan was rambling to me, I was getting some <laughs> things together and, and writing some things down on the doc here that I had forgotten you know, to put on, but it, it my, all works out. In my defense, we haven't properly like talked to each other in like a solid week and a half. Mm-hmm. We've been texting and like Snapchatting and whatever else, right? Social media wise, but it's not the same. Not That's the same. okay. Like I, I started my senior sem- like my senior year. I call it my senior year, but it's really a senior semester. I started it that on Monday, uh, and so I've been crazy trying to get myself back into a schedule, trying to get the girls I nanny back into a schedule because they also are back at school now. So they're getting up earlier in the day and they're cranky about it, which I love them, but that's okay. They're little kids. They're allowed to be cranky. Um, but just trying to get everything sorted out and like celebrating the last week of summer, I was out of town all weekend. So, um, I went to the Cubs game on Sunday with my family, which we set in the 1914 club. And that was the most bougie experience I think I'm ever going to have at a ball game. Like I, it was all you can eat, all you can drink, weight service, like the whole nine, you sit in seats that are cushioned. So it's not as hot and like uncomfortable. You literally just have to tip your, your waitresses or your bartenders, uh, when you get drinks because you don't have to pay for them. So needless to say, I had a great time. Um, the Cubs sadly did not win, I believe. Uh, yeah, they did not win. So that was, uh, you know, great, but it was really fun with my family. It was a great way to end the summer. Uh, we went to, I think two, two, that was maybe our only game. I think that was our only game. All four of us. No, there was, that was our second game, all four of us all season. And nowadays it's pretty hard to, to get to Wrigley as a family just because of conflicting schedules, but also, uh, Wrigley Field is the second most expensive ballpark in the league. Yeah. Fenway is the first most expensive. So it's it's not ideal for a family of four to go out to a ball game nowadays, which is yeah. unfortunate. And the MLB is trying to correct that. But yeah, we're back. And I've been, unlike Megan, Megan's like, I, I turned my phone off. I wish I could be like that. I wish I could, you know, not well, be connected. But <laughs> part, well, part of it is that there's just like, I feel like I just haven't been like, I haven't felt the need to check my phone because nothing's happened. And then I looked at the doc a couple of minutes before you called me and I was like, Oh my God, so much has happened. And I missed out. Um, I I'm feeling serious FOMO. Um, I mean, you usually keep me pretty much in the loop as far as like hockey stuff goes. Like as soon as something happens, you usually send it to me on Twitter or like scream at me via text. So 
I usually know what's going on. Um, but yeah, I, this week has been kind of crazy for me too. I was sick all last weekend and had to work from home on Monday and my whole routine was thrown off this weekend. It's going to be even worse this coming week because I don't work on this coming Monday, um, because of Labor Day. So it's just, life is just a mess and I'm really just trying to get back into the swing of things and today was like too good of a day. And I feel like tomorrow is going to be really boring because I did everything today. So it's okay. You need I'm, those days. I'm just, I'm just trying to enjoy, out. I'm trying to enjoy how good of a day I had today and just <laughs> deal with tomorrow, tomorrow. That's tomorrow's problem. That's what I say exactly. all the time, that's which fe- is <laughs> that's future Megan problem. That's not mine. Yeah, that's I, I've been using that a lot lately, and I need to not because then I get myself in <laughs> that's trouble. That's a future me problem. <laughs> but you know, fe- and then future me is sometimes, like past Shaylin. Why did you do that? <laughs> like sometimes you just need to put it off until the future. Sometimes, yeah, you just need to give future you a little bit of a a little bit of a struggle. That's sometimes okay. it's just just the way life goes. That's okay, but let's jump into a couple things that have happened in free agency that we can glance over here. Uh, There's a couple of them I want to spend a few minutes on. But so the first one that is just hilarious and I love it and Leafs Twitter just goes absolutely bananas anytime anyone mentions the name Mitch Marner. Uh, But basically Mitch Marner and his agent Darren Ferris, we've been over this before, we know the whole situation. Uh, They have asked for permission from the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, to train in Switzerland with Zurich. If a contract is not done by training camp, uh, there was no official word if the permission was granted. I didn't see anything anywhere that said yeah, the Leafs have granted him that that permission. But just Darren Ferris, like, the reason – it's just so funny because Leafs, Leaf fans are just very up in arms about this whole situation. And they're like, oh, well, he's he's going to go to Zurich and he's not going to come back and, and all this and that. And I'm like, do you, do you know Darren Ferris? Do you know the game that he plays? Because he does this with every single one of his clients. This is – and the difference here, too, is that Mitch Marner, is. this is probably going to be his biggest deal. I mean, he does represent other big names such as Sean Monaghan, Taylor Hall, the lot. But, like, this this is going to be his biggest make-or-break deal because Mitch Marner is the biggest free agent on the market right now yeah. in terms of restricted free agents. And he's expected to set the market. So yeah. that's just – and also Leaf fans, just as a side note, Leaf fans are – I don't know if you heard what Brian Burke said the other day on primetime, but he was like, yeah, Austin Matthews is going to leave after five years. And people are actually freaking out about about that when Frederick Anderson's contract is up in two years. But that's that's another story. But it's just Leaf 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 Nation is just in a very big, uh, very big turmoil right now because their favorite player isn't signed. So that's that's a piece of news that is just like, OK, like we can just overlook that and. That's not even important, but uh, that's not even important. But another piece of news here: Derek Brassard signs a one-year, one-point-two million-dollar deal with the New York Islanders. Uh, last season, he played for three teams. He played for Pittsburgh, Florida, and Colorado. He had, he played in seventy games, had fourteen goals, nine assists, and twenty-three points. So hopefully, he finds a home in New York. I was going to say, I I feel bad. Like he's in the past four years, he's played for the Rangers, the Senators, the Penguins, the Panthers the avalanche and now the Islanders that's six teams. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's six teams in four years. And it's the funny thing to me too, is that he's not even a bad player. Right. Like, like he's actually like a pretty good, like well-rounded player. I think he's maybe like a middle six guy. Um, maybe a top six guy on like a bad team or like an okay team. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but oh man, I just <laughs> I feel for him. Um, I like because I really liked him when he played on the Rangers. Um, that was when I was still in college and. My roommate really liked the Rangers, so he was, like, one of the players that I was like, yes, I like you. You're good. Um, so I just, I, yeah, I, I, hope he, I hope he finally lands somewhere. Um, I guess it'll be interesting to see how he does with the Islanders. Right. I agree with that, too. I, I mean, that day it was rumored that he was going to be signing with the Edmonton Oilers, which was just been, it would have been a ha-ha moment, but he ended yeah. up not signing with the, the Edmonton Oilers, but... Moving on, Colin White signs a six-year, $4.75 million AAV deal with the Ottawa Senators, worth $28.5 million. Last season, he played in 71 games, had 14 goals, 27 assists for 41 points. So that's, that's, a, that's a good spot for the Ottawa Senators. I mean, he's not the best, but he's also not awful, and he can score. And, I mean, he puts up 41 points. It would be nice if he put up a little more, but... You know, it's Ottawa. You're not really expecting much there anyway. Uh, Pat Maroon. This is probably the biggest one that came out. Pat, This one and, and uh, Anthony Bavillier. But Pat Maroon signs a one-year $900,000 deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Last season, he played in 74 games, had 10 goals, 18 assists, and 28 points. And he was a part of the St. Louis Blues, who won the Stanley Cup this past year. He, I was, I was kind of reading up about how he would kind of fit into the Tampa Bay Lightning I don't know, their, their team dynamic because the Tampa Bay Lightning, the way they play hockey is very upfront, very fast, not very physical, um, but they play a very highly skilled game and they have a lot of, they have a lot within a system. Uh, they're a very systematic team and Pat Maroon is just kind of that fourth line grinder that can just fill in whenever, whenever is needed, get in front of the net, be a big body, be pretty physical when he wants to be, but he also knows how to put the puck in the back of the net as we saw game seven uh, versus Dallas last year in the second round. So it's, it's interesting because the way he plays the game is not very typical of the way the Tampa Bay Lightning play the game, but I think you look at you look at Tampa and you look at their first round exit against Columbus and Columbus was a bit of a more aggressive team but they also had skill they had a healthy mix of both and I think Tampa is trying to address that need saying listen we we have a lot of skill we have a lot of speed we have a lot of young guys but we don't have a lot of physicality on our team yeah. and that's an issue and that's that could be part of the reason why they they were bounced in the first round this past year so I think they are trying to address that need a little bit and trying I to think, get that um, under control I think Pat Maroon probably gave the best uh, scouting report on himself in the playoffs this year after uh, Patrick Laine chirped him. And then he said, I'm chubby, but I'm effective. Yeah, I I genuinely like him and I think he's a good player. And I it'll be interesting to see where he fits in the, the lightning lineup. But I agree that I think I think the lightning are kind of they're kind of in the same situation that the Blackhawks are in where they they have a lot of skill on their team, but they don't have like their grit. So they're trying to get a little bit more of that. Like, you know, I'm making gestures, but I don't know. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Like just like a little bit more, you know, oomph. Yeah. And a little bit more like willing to shove somebody's face into the glass. Right. So I think, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I was kind of surprised he didn't he didn't um, resign with the Blues, but I don't. A, I don't follow them very closely because why would I? And B, I mean, I like I'm not sure really what their like system is looking like going forward. So I guess 
maybe he didn't fit. Cause I can't imagine that he didn't want to stay. I mean, he was like pretty excited to be there. Well, that's his hometown. So, so. yeah. So I, I don't know, but maybe he saw the opportunity with Tampa. True. Obviously, I mean, Tampa right now, it's very, very early, but Tampa is the six to one odd to win this, to win the Stanley cup this year. So, uh, no, one's... I'm not picking them again. I'm not doing it. I refuse. Okay. I absolutely refuse to pick them. We'll check and in again in April. Year, I was going to say, I know I said that last year when we were doing our, like, before the season started type of picks, but I, I can't, I can't, I can't pick them again. This is like the fourth season, the third season in a row that I've picked them and they've disappointed me. Well, that's okay. And it's funny that we're talking about Tampa right now because I have NHL network on in the background, just like muted. And it, they're talking about the Oh three Oh four Tampa Bay lightning. So they're, they're doing a whole feature part right now. I'm on Vinny Lucavier, who's one of my favorite players ever. And it's just, I'm just having a time. It's like weird that we're talking about it. I'm looking on the screen and I'm like, yeah, I'm already St. Louis and Vinny Lucavier. Those players don't play there anymore. Um, Another piece of news here, another player going overseas to train. Miko Rantanen has begun training in Norway with Stonehamar Hockey while waiting for a contract to be signed with Colorado Avalanche. I don't think that is something that is going to be very worrisome for the Avalanche or Avalanche fans because the Avalanche do have a ton of cap space to work with right now. They are third from the bottom. Actually, they have a projected $15.6 million in cap space that they are going to use to re-sign Miko Rantanen, which they need to do. I mean, it's not its not like they're not going to get it done. It's just coming to an agreement on both sides, I guess, at this point. But um, he is over there in Norway. And then the bigger news that happened in terms of overseas news is that Jesse Pugliarvi signed a one-year deal with Olun Karpat, which is in Finland's Liga League. Um, but there is a there is a provision to the contract. It allows him to return back to the NHL by December 1st if he chooses to sign a contract with another NHL team. Uh, basically, him and his agent came out earlier this offseason and said, yes, he will play in the NHL, but he will not play a game again for the Edmonton Oilers after the whole debacle over the season when he said he had it problems and then the Edmonton Oilers said play through it and then he ended up flying to New York and getting both of his hips operated on, uh, both a double double hip surgery at the same time, 21 years old. So uh, that obviously was a sticky situation. He only played in 46 games last year and had four goals and five assists for nine points. So uh, there was, I was listening to Spit and Checklets and they were talking about how there's also the side of it where he's like well I want to play I'm, I'm looking for a team that will play me 15 to 17 minutes per night I'm on the top line or in the top six and I get power play power play minutes and Whitney made the point that was like okay buddy but you haven't you haven't proved you yourself haven't proved, yeah but the other side of that is he wasn't really in the best position to prove himself because he yeah. was playing through pain and playing. He wasn't able to play at the top of his level while your, your hips are what stabilize you and what keep you moving on the ice. They're, they're part of they're the, the main part of skating and having a solid lower body to be able to, to move and to make quick plays and to get up and down the ice. So if that's hurting and you're not as mobile, you're obviously not going to play at top of your game. So I guess yeah. he feels like, obviously he feels like he was wronged by the Edmonton Oilers. So uh, that's that'll be interesting to see if he does end up signing with a team come the regular season. 
And the last signing that we have to talk about is Anthony Bavillier. He signs a two-year, $2.1 million deal with the New York Islanders. He played in 81 games last year, had 18 goals, 10 assists, and 28 points. Uh, that was a good signing for them, uh, a deal they needed to get done. He was also an RFA, but he's great. He has great uh, great chemistry with Matt Barzell, so that was important for the core uh, and their future of their of their team. So He's actually a really fun player to watch. I watched a couple highlights with him and Barzil together, and uh, Everly, they all play together, and that line is amazing. I love that line. Also, shout out Jordan Everly. Uh, him and his wife are expecting their first child. I literally Aww. feel like it was World Juniors yesterday. I sent that to my friend. I sent the tweet to her, and I've loved, I've loved following Jordan Everly since he was uh, drafted, and he played with Edmonton with Taylor Hall. And... Uh, and I, and I sent the picture to my friend, and I was like, are you serious? World Junior seems like yesterday. She's like, he cannot be having a kid. He can't. It's He cannot be having a kid. And it's like, it, it's just, it, time flies. So um, that'll be exciting for the island to get that those players back. And then obviously Matt Barzell's up after this next year. So interesting to see what's going to happen there. But, oh man, free agency needs to just... The big names Chill need out. to sign, you know. The big names, no. It needs to. It needs to get chaotic. Exactly the opposite. Like it needs to. Like things I need do, to start like, happening. I was gonna say I do agree that it, like at this point, like um maybe like a couple weeks ago it was fun, but at this point I'm like, oh my god, somebody just sign, somebody just do it. Like it's probably not gonna be Braden Point, and it's probably not gonna be Brock Besser because both the Canucks and the Lightning are in like cap hell. Um, but like, and I guess like I Mitch Marner is kind of in that group too, because the Maple Leafs are in cap hell. I just, hmm, I think, just, I think, uh, what's his face is going to be first. Um, Zach Wierenski. the talks there. So the talks oh, there, yeah. um, seem pretty, pretty consistent, pretty progressive. So, but Bob McKenzie tweeted as I'm finding it right now. It's pretty funny. Uh, he came back off of his hiatus and he says, vacation is almost over back to work next week. Although I'm checking the fine print in my contract, still hoping to see a clause where I don't have to start work until after Mitch Marner and all the other RFAs have already signed, not liking my chances. So I feel like we're all where Bob McKenzie is right now, just wanting things to get rolling and get moving, especially with well, at training this point, camp it's right like, around the corner. At this point, it's like you're, I don't know. At this point, it's just dragged out too long. Like, it's not worth it. I promise. Just sign a freaking contract. Yeah. Yeah. Just sign it. Yeah. Like, I, I be at camp. Like there's players that are for sure. Like I'm going to be at camp. And then there's some players that it's like, no, I'm going to get my money, which I get both sides of it. I don't knock a player for extending a co- contract negotiations for the sake of wanting to get the best value for themselves. Exactly. Because in most cases, this is going to be their biggest contract. It'll be their biggest and their longest. If, unless you're like, Patrick Laine, who might be getting a bridge, but for Mitch Marner, for Braden Point, for big name players like that, this is this is to set them up for their future. This is not only for the future of their hockey career, but the future of their their actual lives and well being. So I I will never knock a player for bringing out negotiations as long as they do. But there are some there come, there comes a point where it's like, man, just play hockey. Like William Nylander taking it to like five minutes before the deadline. I'm like, dude, just play hockey. You just, know, like it doesn't even matter at this point. Like just freaking play. Like who cares? I mean, I know you care, but like don't care. Right, right. So, all right, let's move on to some Blackhawks news because we do have a couple things to talk about here. So, 
The first thing I want to mention, and I've listened to both of these podcasts, and they were both great listens and great interviews, but both Patrick Kane and Adam Burrish were on the Margaritaville podcast, which is the podcast put out by Jimmy Buffett and his team. So as you may know, if you've followed along with the Blackhawks or you've just learned about it, uh, Patrick Kane is a parrot head, noted parrot head. My mom is a parrot head. We all are parrot heads. Um, growing up in the summers, it would be Jimmy Buffett, Kenny Chesney, and Toby Keith in our house. So um, I we actually went to, when we went to Nashville a couple years ago, we did um, we did the whole like original Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville. We bought so many, so much merch. We have stuff all over our house, but <laughs> we loved we loved Jimmy Buffett. So Patrick Kane was on first. Uh, he it was basically like, both of them were around 20, 25 minutes, uh, and they shared stories from the 2010, 2013, and 2015 teams. And obviously Patrick Kane started the tradition of bringing the Stanley Cup to a Jimmy Buffett concert. The first one in 2010 was actually right over by my house. It's about 10, 15 minutes away from my house. It's where the Chicago Fire play in the Major so- uh, Major League Soccer. It's called Toyota Park now, or it's, I think it's SeatGeek Stadium now, but it was it was formerly Toyota Park. And it's a, it's a really nice stadium. I've been a couple times. It's just in the middle of the suburbs, which is strange. But uh, he brought it there first, and then Jimmy, Jimmy played a little bit of a bigger venue. So uh, actually, Jimmy Buffett tweeted... Patrick Kane after the episode came out and Kane retweeted him back. So that was kind of cool to see. And then Burrish also came on and talked about the 2010 team and how close knit that team was. So that was really cool. So just a little bit of, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of content over the summer that we normally don't get from those players, which as I was telling Megan this, um, when I was listening to the Patrick Kane one, Patrick Kane, like in interviews, can be a little reserved, a little bit just like limited in his answers. But I guess after, I would say after the first five minutes, he really opened up and really was like, okay, so this, I remember this and I did this. And I, the hat that <laughs> I he like has. that's kind of how he is in interviews though. Like, that's just like, like, I feel like he, it, cause even like on the panels, like you can tell that he's like enjoying it, but I think it takes him a minute to like, really get into it and like I don't know open up a little bit more because I think I think that's just his personality to be honest yeah so but he was he told a story about how uh he the hat that he wore for the first year and then he started wearing it again he actually stole it from a guy in the audience it was a guy that was <laughs> in the pit and he asked one of the backstage people hey man I, I need to get that hat can someone get that hat and so the only way the person would give up the hat is if Patrick Kane would sign his jersey. So Patrick Kane obviously was like, yeah, dude, we'll take pictures. We'll, I'll sign your jersey. I'll do whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Um, I want the hat. The hat is now in its final resting place in the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So if you ever are in town and want to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame, you can see Patrick Kane's parrot hat in the Hall of Fame. Um, some other news, baby news. Uh, Christopher Stieg and his wife, Brittany, welcomed their third baby, Bryn Vanessa. I don't know if you follow, if you don't follow him on Instagram. Uh, it was so cute. There is a picture of him holding her, and then there's a picture of his two boys and the girl in the middle, and the boys are spitting images of uh, Christopher Stieg. So he was also on the latest episode of the Blackhawks Insider Podcast, and he basically talked to Chris Kook about his need to play hockey. He, he was very serious in saying, and I mean, Christopher Stieg is a jokester. We all know that, but he was very serious in saying, I am here for a purpose. I'm here for a reason. And I'm here to show this organization that I can still play hockey and that I can still 
play at that level that I was at in 2010 and 2015 for them when they when they won the two Stanley Cups. So he was very it was very candid and very open, and I really appreciated that. So that was really cool too. Uh, and then in the best way possible, Andrew Shaw and his wife Shawnette announced that they're expecting baby Shaw number two in January of 2020 with pictures of little Andy Rose bawling her eyes out about the fact that she is no longer going to be an only child. I am not like a huge, so I, I've probably mentioned this before, but like me and kids just don't mix. Like I'm so awkward around children. I just don't know what to do with them. I just avoid them at all costs. Um, but the, like when people do gender reveals or, um, not gender reveals, um, like, uh, I guess announcements. Like a, it's not a birth announcements, but like kind of, mm-hmm. um, those ones always get me where they have the kid like absolutely sobbing that they're not an only child anymore. Those are the funniest things to me. And that sounds bad because it makes it sound like I like kids crying. But I think it's just like, I don't know what it is about those pictures, but they're so funny. And if you don't follow um, Andrew Shaw or his wife on Instagram, you need to follow both of them. Um, They post A plus content. They have a bunch of dogs too. So if you don't like, if you're not like, huge on children they also have dogs yes um, but yeah it was so cute i'm very excited for them yeah that'll be it's really exciting so many babies happening we love all of the babies and like like you like you were like oh i don't like children me <laughs> me i the exact opposite i was at work this morning and uh it's for me like this is a side note because i just thought of it but for me, like, and, and tomorrow, I'll talk about this, actually. Tomorrow, I, this this kid that I've been babysitting for, God, I want to say a little over a year now, they come in to where I work, um, he's turning seven tomorrow. So it's him, his middle sister, and his youngest sister. And he turned seven, and this kid is so in love with baseball, it just... Oh, it makes my heart sing. We play this game called Guess That Player, and we literally just sit there, and he goes, I play on the Cubs, and I have to say... Are you Javi Baez? Are you Anthony Rizzo? Are you Chris Bryant? And he just thinks of the most obscure players. He quizzes himself. He has me read the names of his baseball cards to him every night before we go to sleep. It is it is the most beautiful thing I've ever witnessed. But he asked me to come to his birthday party tomorrow and asked me to be one of the coaches of the baseball team uh, that they're, they're going to play a game of baseball. And I get to dress up in, in all of my Cubs gear and come out. But you know, the moments when it gets hard and the kids are crying and they're sick and, and they don't want to be around anybody and, and they're having a bad time, totally make up the totally worth it when you see them smile or when they hug you or when they say I love you or it's I just get very emotional and I'm like kids if I could work with kids forever I probably could. They are just sunshine packed into tiny little bodies that just radiate happiness and they have they have no filter. They tell you how it is. I mean, I walked in today and one kid was like, you look beautiful today, Miss Shay. And I was like, man, I just woke up 10 minutes ago. Thank you. Um, you know, and so that's special. So I, I just love seeing, and it's, and it's strange because I mean, Brandon Saad is a dad now. There's a lot of guys that are becoming dads that like, I literally remember watching Brandon Saad get drafted. I remember his first NHL game. Like I remember him lifting the Stanley Cup for the first time in 2013. That 
to see him be a father, I'm just like, where did time go? You were a child. I remember when you were drafted in 2011. I just, I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. And so Andrew Shaw expecting baby number two. I'm just like, oh, they're all having children and they're all getting older. And this means I'm getting older. (laughs) My favorite part of the whole Brandon Saad thing is that he still sounds the same way that he sounded when he like started in the league. Like he, his voice is just, I don't know why it's so funny to me, but it like, it's, it's one of those like funny, like cute things. Like I think it's incredibly endearing. Um, but he just like, he sounds so young and I'm like, you have a kid, like you have a child now. Mm-hmm. Like that's weird to me. Even Andrew Shaw having one child, like let alone having two now yeah. is bizarre to me because like, I, I don't know. It's one of, it's just, it's one of those things like you're right. Like they're growing up and it's kind of weird. Right. Not in a bad way. Just, you know, you know, life. It happens, and that's how it happens. It happens. Yeah. Um, two, three other pieces of news here that we'll talk about about the Blackhawks. So, ESPN last week came out with their uh, top best and worst teams, or best teams of the past decade. The Chicago Blackhawks were voted the best team of the past decade. Um, oh, sorry, my our house phone just started saying low battery. And I was like, there's no one in my house. Uh, that was creepy. Um, but I was just, I heard something in the background and I was like, uh, what anyway, is that? I was like, who is speaking? Uh, but yes, the, the 2009, 10 NHL Blackhawks, NHL Blackhawks, Chicago Blackhawks were named the best team of the past decade by Greg Wyszynski. This is what he says in the article that is up on ESPN. I can, oh, I'll link it below, but he says the eventual decimation of this assemblage of talents is one of the true tragedies of the salary cap era. Seriously, look at this roster. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith, Patrick Sharp, Chris Versteeg, Troy Brower, Andrew Ladd, Dustin Bufflin, Brent Seabrook, Nicholas Stromlison, Dave Boland, all of them under 28 years of age. Brian Campbell was 30. Marion Hosa was 31. Sure, Antti Niemi is a bit of a weak, weak link in goal, but the team in front of him made that an afterthought in winning the Stanley Cup. So they were voted the best team. Pittsburgh's 2015-16 team was voted second. The 2010-11 Boston Bruins were third, and the 2013-14 Los Angeles Kings were voted fourth. And then um, there were also some runner-ups, Vancouver Canucks 2010-11 team, San Jose's 15-16 team, Tampa Bay's 14-15 team, and Boston Bruins 18-19 team. Um, And he also, I'm not going to keep reading it, but there was also biggest surprises, biggest busts, the worst of the worst. Um, and so there's, uh, there's a lot to read there. So I'll make sure to link that below, but that was pretty exciting to wake up to that news that the Blackhawks voted the best team of the last decade. So we could have told pretty you good. that, but pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. we could have told you that, but, um, so this past weekend, we did mention this on the last podcast and how much we loved it, but last weekend was the Players Weekend in the MLB. I'm just going to say this now and let it forever die and hold its peace. Those jerseys were absolutely terrible, and I hope they never come back ever. But that being said, Dylan Strome and Alex Debrinket were on hand on Saturday to throw out the first pitch and sing the seventh inning stretch at the Cubs game. I'm really upset because we went on Sunday and they were there on Saturday. Um, I was actually there with my friends uh, 
for the game that Kirby Doc threw out the the first pitch, and, and I th- believe he's saying the seventh inning stretch, but he for sure threw out the first pitch. Uh, that was right when he got drafted. It was about the week the week of, which was really exciting. I, I saw him come up, and I was like, oh hey, I know that guy. That's Kirby Doc. We just drafted that guy, so that was really cool. And to see them, it was kind of like a flashback to when Kane and Taves did it during their rookie season together. I know seven oh eight, which was crazy after that after that season that following summer when they did it. So it was kind of like a weird parallel to see them out there together with their players weekend nickname jerseys on so that was really cool and then the last bit of notes here for the Blackhawks uh this came out today actually when we were right before we came out to record but Patrick Kane's number 88 will be retired by the London Knights on January 17th versus the Sudbury Wolves he will be the ninth player in history to have his number retired in in London Knights history to have his number retired um, and even though he only played a year there, their, their GM actually came out with a quote and said that that was probably top three or four performances in all of London, Knight, London Knights history. He played in 58 games and had 62 goals, 83 assists, and 145 points with a 42 plus minus. You think that's a lot? Uh, that doesn't come, I mean, that doesn't come close to, uh, that doesn't come close to the uh, the record. The record is set by, well, I mean, guys, obviously this guy played 253 games, but the record is set by Corey Perry, who had 380 points. He played there from 2001 to 2005, but he does crack the top 100. He's number 81 on that list with 141 points. But players, players like Corey Perry, uh, Max Domi, Mitch Marner, Dave Boland, they're all on this list that did play for this, uh, this OHL team, which is notably the most powerful OHL team, I'd say. Evan Bouchard, who was a recent pick of the Edmonton Oilers and is a prospect for them now. Chris Tierney is on this list. Cliff Pooh is on this list. Um, there's a lot of players that you can you can look at. I mean, Louis DeBrusque is on this list, but uh, Rick Nash is on this list, but it's a, it's a very storied franchise, so congratulations to Patrick Kane. That'll be really exciting to see uh, to see happen when it all goes down in January. So that was there was actually some Blackhawks news this week. I was very happy. Uh, but we do have lots of NHL news to talk about as well, and this is where it gets juicy, folks. Just strap in, okay? We'll start. <laughs> we'll start easy. We'll start easy for you. The Vancouver Canucks uh, have extended GM Jim Benning for three seasons. That runs to the 2022-23 season. He's entering his sixth as the GM, and the Canucks have missed the the playoffs for four straight seasons uh, since he. They made they made it his first year, but uh, they've they've missed it the last four. So they've drafted really well. I'll give them that. They have a great farm system. It's just the the collection of older players that they have on the team that doesn't really fit in with the younger players that are coming yeah. up through the system. I just feel like there's a disconnect there, and that's where they're kind Literally of running into trouble. Ask me, ask me how mad I was when they did this. Were you like, mad? what are you doing? Like he sucks. Like. Like you're right. He like drafts he drafts really, really well, well and like that'll lead to when, good when it comes to trades, it's like he doesn't know what he's doing. And I'm like, all right, either somebody else needs to come in and help him with trading, or he needs to go because we do not need. And by we, I mean the Canucks. <laughs> that I, I'm not a part of the Canucks. <laughs> um, they need younger guys. They would be good, and I I think they'll be better this year. Can't say for sure if they'll be like playoff worthy, right? And they're thinking no, but like they would just be so much better if they had younger guys on the team. And I get it, like 
you can't just like trade for every single guy, but like trading for the oldest guys on every single team is also not it. <laughs> and re-signing Alex Edler to a long deal is not it. It's not it. It's just that ain't not. it. It's that ain't it's it. Not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. And I think they're also stuck with Roberto, Roberto Luongo's deal too, which like, come on. Like, oh my God. they just make me so mad. Like, I, as much as I like that organization and I like the team and the players and everything, the front office, man, they're so stupid. And it makes me so upset. They're going through a time. But they're like through it. The and thing the thing I think I'm though going through it too. The thing I think though that they have on their side is that they are getting younger. The players that they have drafted and they've drafted well are starting to come into the NHL. You've yeah. seen it with Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, Thatcher Demko, Mikey DePetrio will be there in a couple a couple years' time. But it's they're they're coming. It takes time. And I think that's how good rebuilds happen. Obviously you have to draft well, develop well, and then Hopefully the players can come up to your NHL club and, and perform well for you. So that's that's how the process should work, unless you're the New York Rangers who just draft well and boom, everyone's in the NHL. No development needed. But that's that's something I think that, that, that'll come in time. And I have Vancouver. I mean, the, the Pacific is a weak division. you got Calgary, Vegas, and San yeah. Jose at the top there. But I think Vancouver can be fighting for one of the wild card spots in the West if they really, if they really tried hard. Um, and they really, they really, I mean, they get a lot of them. I mean, but they get a full year of Brock Besser and like, like a healthy year of Brock Besser. They got Elias Pettersson in his second year and he, he's, he's been around the block once. So he, he kind of has things under his belt now. So, uh, and Markstrom seemed to have kind of hit his stride toward the, towards the end of the season too. Right. So that'll so, be, we'll see. That'll be interesting. But here's, here's a big piece of news that dropped this, uh, this past week. The Minnesota Wild have hired former assistant GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Bill Guerin, as the fourth general manager in history. So he has spent the last eight seasons with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Five of them he has been serving as the assistant GM. He was also the player development coach from 2011 to 2014. He was a part of both the 2016 and the 2017 Stanley Cup teams, and he won the Stanley Cup in 2009 as a player with Pittsburgh. He also was a part of the 1995 New Jersey Devils team that won the Stanley Cup. He was a former fifth overall pick of the Devils in the 1989 NHL draft as a right wing. He played 1,263 games in his career, had 429 goals, 427 assists for a total of 856 points. He was a four-time All-Star in 2001, 2003, 2004, and 2007, and he spent 18 years in the NHL, seven of them with New Jersey, four of them in Edmonton, three of them in Dallas, two years in Boston, two years in New York with the Islanders, two years with Pittsburgh, and then one year each with the St. Louis Blues and the San Jose Sharks. So... He is basically the complete opposite of Paul Fenton. Um, everything that I've read about Bill Guerin is that he is very nice, uh, very not. I mean, Paul Fenton kind of seemed like not a nice guy from what Michael Russo was writing about him. Yeah. But um, he's a very approachable, uh, approachable guy that is reasonable, but can also is also going to make the right moves to this organization. I, I have also heard things that he is like kind of. Kind of not the best with money, but I only only heard one thing on that, so I'm not taking that to heart or anything. But uh, it seems to be a breath of fresh air, considering that he doesn't really have any ties within the, the Minnesota Wild organization, so he doesn't really have loyalty to one side or the other, whereas yeah. Paul Fenton came in and basically just disregarded Chuck Fletcher's staff as a whole. So I think this will be a fresh a fresh look for the Minnesota Wild and something that could be really good for them 
going forward, considering the way their last season went and how it's looking to be coming the next couple of years after trading away some players and, uh, you know, not really making the best decisions for their, for their franchise. So we'll see how that one goes. <laughs> we'll see. Um, Austin Matthews appeared in an ad for Arizona State University's new uniforms. So they are being provided by Adidas, um, I believe, and or by Nike. I can't remember which one it was, but I can look it up right now. But basically, whichever company it was uh, that is providing them, they are basically, let's see here, a Sun Devil Hockey and Austin Matthews collab. Yes, okay. We're looking at the jerseys. Okay, they are Adidas. They are Adidas. So Adidas is doing this thing where obviously Adidas is coming out with all new different types of jerseys, like the third jerseys and everything like that for all of the teams, different designs and everything. And so basically Arizona State, I believe their football team is also being considered for this by Adidas as well. But basically they're being guinea pigs for new new types of jerseys and new materials and everything that they eventually would want to implement into uh, the NHL because obviously Adidas is the provider of jerseys for the NHL now. So Austin Matthews was at home training in Arizona and the, the Arizona state's, um, hockey team approached him. I mean, Scottsdale is relatively close to Mesa, which is where, um, ASU is. We actually went by the campus when we were down there for spring training. It's right by the Cubs spring training complex. And it's a, it's a really great area, but it's literally 10 minutes away from Scottsdale. And that's where Austin Matthews is from. And they said, "Hey, man, would you would you want to help us out and maybe maybe model maybe our our new jerseys and what we're trying out and get us a little uh, a little screen time here?" And he's like, "Yeah, for sure." So that was really cool. If you haven't seen the ad for that, I'll throw it down in the description down below. But oh boy, this is ad. it was a pretty it, it was pretty good. cool. It was pretty cool. Um, here's the biggest news that happened this week, arguably the biggest piece of news that happened this week. Um, Evgeny Kuznetsov after coming out and saying, I have never done cocaine in my life and you can give me a drug test and I will, I will test negative with that drug test has, has been suspended for four years by the double double IHF for a positive cocaine test, uh, which occurred during the IIHF ice hockey world championships while representing team Russia. It was, he was tested on May 26, 2019. Um, he has voluntarily entered the Substance Abuse and Behavioral Health Program, which was run by the NHL and the NHLPA. Um, he has not been suspended by the NHL and probably will not be suspended by the NHL, considering that cocaine is not seen as a performance-enhancing drug. It is seen as a substance abuse drug in the eyes of the NHL and their substance abuse protocol. So he most likely he might he might be fined for it, um, but I don't think he will be suspended, and I don't think that they're. I don't think that there should be an issue with that as long as he is getting the proper help and he is in the right programs to try and right the course of his life, considering if this is more than just a one-time incident for him, it's very dangerous, yeah. obviously. So getting him healthy and getting him right and back to to being happy and healthy again and playing hockey is is the goal here. It's not... I don't think cocaine is, is really doing anything for you. Substance, I mean, like, performance enhancing wise it might just get you hyped up on adrenaline but um yeah so his current suspension will end on june 12 2023 uh the caps made a statement kuznetsov made a statement the double ihf made a statement and so did the nhl obviously um but he does have to meet with gary bettman before training camp begins on september 13th which is when the um which is when the Capitals begin their training camp. So I guess we will see what happens with that a little bit later but the thing is just weird like 
I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe I disagree a little bit. I mean, I feel like if you're using, I mean, I get, I, I don't know how to word this. Like, I feel like maybe it's just me, but I don't know. I just like drugs to me of any kind that are not like prescription, like normal, like type of drugs. I just feel like do alter the way that you are in some way or form. It may not like necessarily help you in a sports aspect of it, but I just feel like if you're sitting there doing a line of cocaine, you probably should not be playing hockey. Mm -hmm. That's just my opinion. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that he needs to be out of the league completely at all, but I just feel like maybe like, I don't know. Well, obviously, I don't think they would let him, like, if he meets with Batman and he's still doing cocaine, which I'm assuming he's not considering he is in this program and he is probably being monitored and his actions are being monitored. I don't think that he would be actively playing in the NHL if he was still doing it, which is why they suspended him now. They caught it now and he's he should be not yeah. doing it. Um, but... People are, I, I read this stat the other day, uh, people are five times more likely to die from a prescription drug overdose than they are from a cocaine or heroin or a hard drug overdose, which is very surprising to me because doctors prescribe medicine all, all the time, like literally yeah. all day. And that's that's more dangerous than taking cocaine or heroin. Not Not to say that, like, obviously I'm not trying to say that those hard drugs are not dangerous because they are the most dangerous drugs on the planet. And they, they really do alter your state of mind and and state of being in a very unhealthy and, and, and dangerous way. But I think the, and, and the program that the NHL has is not the best. And I don't think it's the best. Um, I think there is a lot of other ways that they can go about it without being money hungry or without being, you know, wanting to get the star players back out there as soon as possible instead of putting their health first, which is, should be a priority. Um, but it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what Gary Bettman says, because I don't, it's not a suspendable offense under the rules of the NHL and the CBA, Yeah, which I like, I, I guess I understand it because like, it's not, I mean, I'm, I don't know that much about drugs if we're being completely honest, <laughs> but I just feel like, it's like an image thing maybe for me. And I like, look, I am sure this isn't the first time this has happened. I know it's not the oh, first time. It happens all happened. the time. Um, all the time. And not, you know, obviously like definitely not the first time it's happened in a sport in general, like a major league sport in general, but I'm sure it's not the first time it's happened in hockey. Um, I'm sure guys do it all the done time. It without, I was going to say, I'm sure people have done it. The players have done it without, it getting out that mm-hmm. that it's happened, but I don't know. It just looks not great. I mean, I think that's it. Here's my issue. Well, I don't want to compare it to that. That's not really fair, but like, I don't know. I like, I get, I get that it's not a sustainable offense under the CBA, which is fine. Like that's, that is what it is. Um, but I don't know. It just feels weird. And it's going to be weird watching him if I'm going to be completely honest. Well, it just taints because I, like, the way I you see him. That. 
Yeah. Like, I, which is unfortunate, but that's how it is. You know, like yeah. someone does something and that's what you see for the rest of their career, the rest of however, whatever they're doing. And that's, yeah. it's unfortunate, but what I get out of it is, and I'm sure you do too, is I just hope that he is on a better path and that he is working yep. towards being sober and working towards being a happier and healthier person. Um, because cocaine is very scary and drugs like that are very scary. Well, like, but he's, he's such a good player. Like, I think he's like one of those creative guys that you don't see a whole lot of. Plus he's like super outspoken, which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, I think the problem, a problem with the NHL is, you know, those stupid cliches that everybody likes to make fun of. But I think when guys show a little bit more personality, it makes it more, I don't know. Like it just makes it more entertaining and it, you know, it makes guys more personable and you realize, Oh, right. They're like people and not just players. Um, you know, they're not just hockey robots. Um, so I don't know, like I, I, re- I genuinely really like him and I want him to get better. Um, and you know, move past this, but yeah, I, the whole situation is just kind of weird to me and it'll be interesting to see how the NHL decides to handle it. I don't, I, I if, if there's not a way to suspend him, I, I don't think they're going to like, quote unquote, handle it. I think it's just going to be as is and we're just going to move on. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. So moving on, there's a couple more things that we got to talk about here. Uh, P.K. Subban is engaged to retired Olympic skier Lindsey Vaughn. Saw that the other day. Uh, also, if... If you had not seen, P.K. Subban put his number out on Instagram and invited fans to come and text him. Um, I texted him. I get videos from P.K. Subban now all the time, but they're actually kind of cute. They're like little vlogs where he's just like, hey, guys, I'm training today. Or like he's with Lindsey Vaughn. And it's funny. I was like, this is great. And so when you text him, it goes like this app and you open the app and you put your information in or whatever. And then you're basically on like the subscriber list for him to text you. And they save the number and your phone as PK Zuban. So when you get a text, it literally says PK Zuban. So I was that's like, funny. that's, that's kind of like, um, the most PK Zuban thing ever. Like, let, let me put my number on Instagram. It's just funny because I feel like so many people have been doing things like that lately. Like I know the Jonas brothers do it. Shout out to anybody who likes the Jonas brothers, by the way. Um, but like, I like the Jonas brothers have a, like a texting thing where you can text them and they, and stuff um and and it's the same thing like it saves their contact information in your phone as the jonas brothers um i think one republic does too um also shout out to one republic fans one republic is probably one of my favorite bands of like all time just a heads up um and then there's somebody else too like a, a couple youtubers i follow do it too and it's i think it's a different way to interact with people. It's just funny because it's popped up over the past, like maybe, I don't know, month or so. Right. And all of a sudden, like everybody's doing it. Right. Um, but it's like a fun way. Like it's, it's kind of a fun way to interact with people that you really enjoy either watching on YouTube or, um, you know, following as a band or as a, an athlete or whatever, because even though it may not be like a personal, message necessarily like he's not like actually texting you but it it feels like he is right and I don't know it's just a cool it's a cool little way to kind of connect with people and um I don't know it's kind of innovative I like it yeah 
Well, another piece. I need to get on that list. Get on the list, dude. It's pretty funny. Um, DJ Smith, who's the new head coach of the Ottawa Senators, announced that the Senators will not name a captain this season. So that was just a little tidbit I wanted to put in there. Uh, He says one will naturally come as it's supposed to. Um, There's so many teams now that don't have captains. Yeah, so many teams. So we'll see how that, I don't know how that all plays out, but. the 2020 NHL All-Star Game logo has been revealed. It is going to be in St. Louis this year. I am planning on going down and being a part of all the festivities. I've never been to the All-Star Game. St. Louis is only four hours away from here. So I am planning to go down with my dad uh, and spending the weekend down there and doing all that stuff, which is like the, I mean, the the all the skills competition and the game and everything like that. So that'll be really fun. Uh the logo doesn't look bad. It has the arch. It has the blue on it. Like it's. Oh, I think it's ugly. Megan thinks everything that the St. Louis Blues do is ugly. Just be unbiased for a hot minute and just look at it. I am being unbiased. I genuinely don't like it. I honest to God forgot that it was even in St. Louis this year. Well, the only reason I, I mean, I remembered it was because. I like the colors. I yeah. guess. Like I'm going to be wearing Blackhawk stuff the entire weekend. Of like I'm not gonna be you have to. You down there have- like, oh, I'm cheering for the St. Louis Blues. Oh no, uh, over my dead body. Um, <laughs> so that that'll be exciting. But it's January 24th to the 26th, though it's at the end of January. So I literally already have it in my calendar, like booked out. Like nothing's be, um, <laughs> nothing's happening that weekend for me besides the All Star Game. It'll be interesting to see what the jerseys look like, because I think aside from the ones from the All-Star game this year in San Jose, I think they've all been ugly, mm-hmm. like really ugly. So it'll be interesting to see what they I like the national well, ones a couple years ago, like the, the gold and like the gray kind of. I didn't like those. And I like the Columbus ones with the neon. I didn't like those either. And I didn't like the ones in Tampa where they were like bright, whatever. It was like bright orange, bright blue, bright oh, yellow. I, I was like the purple offensive to my eyes. Yeah. I don't like those um, ones. Uh, yeah. Those are too bright. And then I don't remember the ones in LA. Are those the, the LA boring ones? The purple ones. So the LA ones was the one that yeah, had the purple. Yeah. 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 yeah those were like kind of boring, but I didn't hate them. Like yeah. they were boring, but they were fine. My fa- like I'm never going to get over the ones in, Sh- in San Jose. Those were those are peak, peak all-star game jerseys, and they're just not going to get better than that. Yeah, exactly. That's that on that. So it'll be interesting to see. They don't usually release those jerseys until pretty far into the season, if I remember correctly. I think last year it was like around November, December that they released those. Right, I right. I can't remember. I think it was kind of late in the early part of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So interesting. Um, I don't like the look. That's okay. We're going to move past it. Um, a couple of retirements to talk about. Cam Ward signs a one day contract with the Carolina Hurricanes and, and retires after a 14 year NHL career. He spent 13 years in Carolina, one year in Chicago. He played 701 games, had 334 wins, 256 losses, 88 ties, 27 shutouts. He amassed 40,318 minutes, had a 2.74 goals against average and a 908 save percentage over his career. He is a 2006 Stanley Cup champion, 2006 Conn Smythe Trophy winner, and a 2011 NHL All-Star, which was held in the home team state of North Carolina in Raleigh. So obviously Megan can attest to this because she grew up watching Cam Ward. Uh, I just knew Cam Ward from playing with the Blackhawks. So yeah, uh, no, illustrious I, I career. Honestly- I was so happy to see this. It was funny because I was actually at work when this news broke. I think it broke on 
Is it Wednesday? I think it was Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, it was Wednesday. And I was just sitting at my desk and all of a sudden I like opened up Twitter and I saw it and I got the biggest smile on my face and my coworkers are like, what are you doing? You good? (laughs) Um, They're like, who are you texting? Um, But yeah, I was like, he's just so, he's the best. And I, I feel incredibly lucky to have been able to watch him for two of my favorite teams. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously I watched him here longer, obviously. Um, But just an awesome career. I'm so, so happy for him. He's going to have so much fun in retirement. Part of me really hopes that he comes back as a goalie coach for the the Hurricanes. I don't think it'll happen. Oh, that'd be awesome. But, you know, fingers crossed. And, um, yeah, he's just, he's such a nice guy. Like we met him at the convention last year and he couldn't have been any nicer. Um, and then even, we even kind of interacted with him when we were at the game this past year, um, in December and he saw my sign and kind of nodded and smiled at me because my sign said that, um, you know, I was all the way from Raleigh and I don't know. He's just, every time I think of Cam Ward, I just smile. He's just the nicest guy. And I don't know. I'm just really proud of him. And I'm very happy he retired as a hurricane. I know, um, I know he enjoyed his time as a Blackhawk, but I don't think it would have been the same retiring with a team that you'd only played a season with. Right. Um, well, it's not hard versus for him, one that you know? you, Yeah. Versus, I was going to say, like, versus one that you spent your whole career basically right. playing for. Um, and, I mean, the city of Raleigh loves him. Like, there's um, right across from my old building, we, uh, my, um, my company just moved buildings, but across from our old building was our, like, city's convention center. Mm-hmm. And on the outside of the convention center, they have all sorts of, like, pictures of, like, things to do in Raleigh and stuff. And one of the bigger pictures is Cam Ward in the net. So um, he's just – he's such an icon. And people on Twitter were starting to get – on my nerves, people were like, don't retire his number. I'm like, excuse me. Yes. Retire his number. Thank you. That's that on that. Um, that's that like, Oh my God, don't be rude. Um, Kim, you're so rude. Um, but like, (laughs) don't Kim, you're literally being so rude right now. (laughs) That's literally how I felt. I was so upset. I'm like, yes, retire his number, please. Like, Megan, me. Megan is personally offended by this. I am personally offended by this. I would like to call out all the people who said that and just say that they're freaking stupid because I also like organizations can literally retire whatever numbers they want. Yeah. Yeah. Let them be. Okay. You don't need to be jerks about it. <laughs> don't be such a jerk. Um, get it? Get it? Cause... Don't be such a jerk about it but get it because um, like carolina hurricane yeah 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 no i i didn't do that on purpose but it happened i'm glad it um, happened anyway yeah um but yeah like just moral of the story is that cam ward is the best and people on twitter are mean and i'm very happy for him that he retired and that he gets to enjoy doing whatever it is he's gonna do i think he actually has like alcohol i think he makes beer or whiskey or something. I don't know. Yeah. Every hockey player nowadays, every retired hockey player nowadays makes alcohol. So, <sighs> but that's what he does, I guess. <laughs> so he can go enjoy that and 
enjoy his retirement. Um, definitely, uh, definitely a good career there. Always good to have a, a Stanley cup under your belt, especially cause he was a rookie when he won. So, um, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. Pretty yeah. big. Yeah. Sorry. I really, I took that one. That's okay. That's what I, I, I meant to do that that way. Cause obviously you know more about it. Um, Ben Lovejoy also retires after an 11 year career in the NHL. He played seven years in seven years in Pittsburgh, three years in Anaheim, three years in New Jersey and a year in Dallas. He had 544 games played 20 goals, 81 assists and 101 points. And he was part of the 2016 Stanley cup team with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So congratulations to Ben Lovejoy. I will always be a Ben Lovejoy supporter because of the fact that, um, he, a couple of years ago pledged, uh, his brain. So when he eventually dies at the end of his life, he is going to donate part of his brain uh, to research for CTE and for other mental health issues that occur um, because of concussions and and playing in professional sports and everything. So I will always support and be a fan of Ben Lovejoy for that reason, uh, just as someone that has had multiple multiple concussions um it it means a lot just because i do i do live with a lot of a lot of symptoms post-concussion syndrome and and everything like that and it affects affects a lot of my mental health um because of the the brain trauma that i have endured i've had five concussions and two of them have been severe one of them i was out for six or seven months so that was uh it's 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 something that's close to my heart I did a whole research paper on CTE and concussions and and the way that the stigma is around athletes so that's something I'm really passionate about so Ben Lovejoy gets my vote every day all day every day so um and then the NHL this is the other day the NHL has chosen not to reopen the CBA the NHL PA has until September 15th to reply to that motion if the NHL PA chooses to not reopen it as uh, along with the NHL's choice the current CBA will stay and run through the 2022 season but if they choose to reopen it the players will be on strike it will not be a lockout lockouts can only be initiated by the NHL which is the governing body so the NHL is the governing body that works in conjunction with the NHLPA and they come to an agreement together um, so the NHL has the power to create a strikeout or to create um a strikeout, a lockout, um, if they truly wanted to, but the players would do not have that power. They would just be going on strike. It's, it's literally like union, like head of the union, union members kind of situation here. So that's, that's literally what it is, but, um, that's really good news that they decided not to open it not or not to reopen it. Um, because if they did, that would have meant they would have to negotiate a couple things out and it might delay the start of the season. Like we saw in 2012, 13 or no season at all. So that's, that's another tomorrow I'm really, problem. <laughs> I'm really, 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 really glad that I have you to explain things like this to me because I saw this tweet and I, the tweet that Elliot Friedman tweeted made it sound like there is going to be an issue. And I was confused and I was like, I immediately sent it to you. I was like, Shay, I need help. I don't understand. Yeah. So I'm very, very thankful to have smart hockey friends like you because I literally was very confused. I think it was just the way it was worded. Like it wasn't fully clear like what the situation was and I I mean it's not Elliot's fault at all um I also am just not very well versed in any of this like the businessy side of the NHL Mm -hmm. um so I'm very thankful to have you to explain things like this to me because you gotta learn somehow yeah that's I I brushed like when I started it was like around 2015-16 when I really started getting into like more than just hockey in terms of hockey. Um, I got this book actually that 
Elliot Freeman suggested on one of the 31 Thoughts podcasts from last season. It's called Net Worth. It's from like the 90s, but it basically explains the entire business side of the NHL and how it came to be and how it all operates. So that was something that really helped me. Um, I, I heard him say it on the podcast and I ordered it on Amazon. So uh, it's something that really helps me understand the business side of it. And there's still obviously things to be, to be learned and, and things to grow yeah. into. But, uh, I like, I like having that knowledge because then I, I don't know. I just feel like I could, everything kind of comes together more than just like the playing side. I understand how the business side of it works too. So that's really interesting to me. But, um, Speaking of our Sportsnet friends, Nick Kiprios, Doug McLean, John Shannon have all left Sportsnet after right around 10 years for almost all of them, I believe. Uh, Darren Millard is also another one that that has left, but he has already found work. He is going to be the pregame, intermission, and postgame uh, postgame host for the Vegas Golden Knights games, along with Mike McKenna, who is a now former NHL player uh, and NHL goalie who is going to be the in-studio analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights, which is really great. Mike McKenna has his own podcast uh, that he had started. So I listened to that one as well, and it's a really great podcast if any of you are looking for a new listen. But um, it's just it's just very interesting to see some of the longstanding guys that have worked for this company just just suddenly all come out at once and say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not returning to Sportsnet. And I was telling Megan this earlier and I tweeted about it as well, but Doug McLean, I started listening to Hockey Central at noon about two seasons ago with Jeff Merrick and, and Jeff Merrick and Doug McLean and Elliot Friedman. Those are the three main people that have inspired me to, to kind of transition over from a journalism side to a broadcasting and media side of hockey and sports. And Jeff Merrick, Jeff Merrick, especially because well, and Elliot too, but Jeff Merrick, because he went to school and he got his degree in English and philosophy. And now he is a host on one of the most popular shows on the biggest, one of the biggest sports networks in Canada. And Elliot Friedman didn't go to university at all and doesn't have a degree. And he is probably the the top insider in the NHL. So it's really inspiring. But Doug McLean is just someone that I've always heard stories that he is the nicest guy, the most giving guy, makes time for everybody, is a jokester on Hockey Central at noon. It's so funny because him and him and Merrick will just go back and forth on it all the time and, and Merrick will give it to him and, and McLean will give it to him right back. So it makes for a really fun and entertaining 45-minute listen. But uh, they got me through my surgery. I listen to them every single day. Uh, I listen to 31 Thoughts every single week. Uh, Hockey Central Saturday, they play it on NHL Network, which is the Sportsnet broadcast. And then they also play Hockey Night in Canada. Kiprios, and, uh, Kiprios on that Hockey Night in Canada po- uh, panel always was there there to stir things up. He was always there to say something that was a little unconventional and a little unpopular, but it got people talking and that was the whole point of it. So they'll they'll be very, very missed. And John Shannon was the chief operating officer of of Hockey Night in Canada for for a considerable amount of time. And he he was a lot of the creative brains behind that. And I, he, he was on the 31 Thoughts podcast, I believe last season. And he told a ton of stories about this game happened and, and this thing happened and just funny small tidbits that you would never you would have never known if you wouldn't have said the story. So best of luck to those those men uh, as they try and find work somewhere else. Obviously, I do not picture them being out of the business for very long, considering they have been in the business for a long time. They are established and well known and successful. So best of luck to them. Uh, but there's one other thing I wanted to talk about here in the NHL portion, then we'll go to power plays. But uh, I was looking this up after I heard it on the Spent and podcast from this this past week, and at least on this list that I have here, at least 19 players are going to be hitting 1,000 games 
this coming season. Oh my gosh. And it's, it's a pretty good list. So You've got at the top of the list, you've got Phil Kessel, Corey Perry, Ryan Getzlaff, Jeff Carter, Miko Koivu, Mark Edward Vlasic, Joe Pavelski, Alex Steen, Nicholas Cronwall, which who knows if he's going to get there, Valtteri Philpula, Zach Parise, Andrew Ladd, Andrew Cagliano, Sidney Crosby, David Backus, Dan Girardi, Shea Weber, Braden Coburn, Z- Travis Zajac, Louis Erickson, and Louis Erickson. So those are the players that... As long as they stay healthy, um, down down the list a little bit because for players that have for to, to reach a thousand like for a thousand you have to play eighty two games so the minimum you have to be at is nine hundred and eighteen games to be able to hit the thousand mark if you're healthy right. and play all eighty two games this season so uh, that'll be but Phil Kessel for sure he's four games away that's going to happen at the beginning of the season Corey Perry is twelve games away Getzlaff is fourteen Jeff Carter's twenty so those guys are for sure going to hit it within the first first month or two of the season so that's that's something and and a lot of those guys are the eighty five draft class the Seabrook draft class the Dion Phaneuf draft class uh, that was two thousand three so the Mark the Mark Andre Fleury draft class so. Um, that's that was Paul Bizanet's year. That's the year he was drafted as well. If you remember, he was drafted at the very end, the seventh round. And so he he has a picture with uh, he has a picture with Brent Seabrook. He's like, yeah, Brent Seabrook went in my draft. So that's just funny. I literally will always remember the year Paul Bizanet was drafted because of that. But that'll be really exciting that this year there's going to be a lot of players that are going to be hitting it. Um, I'm most notably excited for Sidney Crosby, obviously Zach Parise. I'm really excited for Joe Pavelski. I'm really excited for So that'll be pretty exciting to see. I want to know, I'm going to look this up really quick because I really like, wouldn't the icing on the cake be like Phil Kessel hitting a thousand in either like Toronto or, or, uh, or Pittsburgh. Oh, that would be kind of funny. That'd be hilarious. Hold on. I'm looking up the Arizona Coyotes uh, schedule for the season right now because I really want to know what when he's going to be hitting it. So he's going to hit it in four games. Preseason, do preseason games count? No, they don't count. No. Okay, no, 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 so no. the season starts the playoff one, games don't two, count either. three, four. Dang. Okay, so he's going to be hitting it in, on the road in Colorado. So lame lame but yeah that's pretty exciting uh that a lot of players well-known players that we've grown up watching will be hitting it this season so that'll be really fun to watch but let's jump into power plays or should i say power play because i'm the only I one can't that has think a power play this I've week as usual so i know i feel bad because like i really like having power plays but the problem is I don't know what to talk about because there's nothing to talk about like there's nothing for me to talk about that we haven't already talked about like, that's okay. That's why I'm here. Like, you always think of these like really good power plays, and I'm sitting here like talking about like an ugly jersey or like <laughs> somebody doing something stupid. And I don't know. I couldn't even think of things like that to talk about. That's okay. I mean, right. yeah. I, I I don't know. <laughs> Take as long as you want. Okay. You just you just go. Okay, so uh, this is something that I had just mentioned in the end of the last segment with Ben Lovejoy retiring, but uh, this was kind of brought to me and brought to me this week after the news that Andrew Luck of the Indianapolis Colts is retiring. He, if you don't know who Andrew Luck is, he is the stud quarterback or was the stud quarterback for the Colts. And he announced that he was retiring from the NFL due to just being worn down mentally and physically. I looked up his 
uh, history, his injury history, he has torn ribs. He has torn labrums. He has torn like, like stomach muscles. He has torn thigh muscles. He's had concussions. He's been, he's been through the ringer during his season, although he was, he was very good. And I guess word got out that he was retiring during the middle of a preseason game that he was playing in. And he ended up walking off the field to booze at his home stadium. And he came out after and did a press conference and he, he, he got emotional. He started crying and he was saying, I, I just can't do it anymore. And it just really brings to light the fact that we overlook a lot of the times that athletes live in pain every single day and it's chronic and it, 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 it interferes with not only their athletic ability and their job, but it interferes with their family life. It interferes with having kids and interferes with being just active and mobile in everyday life. And it interferes with the happiness and the clarity and mental state that comes with that. And the fans that were booing him, like there's, there's one side of it. That's like, okay, well that's your stud quarterback. That's your favorite player. That's this and that. Well, if that's your favorite player, you need to understand that they are also a human being and they are also they're also someone that, that goes through pain and they're someone that goes through emotion. They go through the highs and lows just like you do in your life. Even though you're not a professional athlete, they, they can't express that as freely and as openly as you can because they're in that spotlight. They are in the media all the time. And the way that mental health is stigmatized around athletes that they should be tough and they shouldn't be going through that kind of stuff and they should be thankful for the life that they're given because they're playing a professional sport and they don't have to play a they don't have to do a real job is is part of my French a bunch of bullshit. And it's just very tiring and very upsetting to see it on social media that people are 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 hating on this guy for doing what's best for him mentally and physically. This is, it's not a fact to do with, with the team. It doesn't have a fact to do with the sport. It's what's best for Andrew Luck. Is this going to, is this going to continue playing? Is playing going to continue to hurt him both physically and mentally? Yes, he is making the best choice for himself. And I bet it kills him. I bet it's going to kill him the rest of his life. He's going to be thinking about this decision every single day. He's 29 years old and that he didn't give up, but he walked away from a game that meant so much to him and that he was doing as a profession. And now it's, now it's not his life. You see at players when they go through retirement, they go through this phase where they're like, I don't know what to do with my life. This was my life since two, three, four years old. And I don't know what to do now. And mental health is such an important conversation to have. It's more than just Bell Let's Talk during the middle of the season. It's more than just during the one month of mental in March of mental health awareness month. It's an everyday thing and it affects people. It affects me every single day. I see a therapist. I see a psychiatrist. Like I am very open about that fact. And I wasn't for a long time. It took me five years of suffering by myself in my brain to build up the courage to go see someone and to go talk to someone about it. I've been feeling symptoms for as young as when I was in seventh and eighth grade with ADHD symptoms. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an everyday process. It, it, it takes up every part of your mind. And like I mentioned earlier with the concussions and the mental health around that, it's, that's something that's really important to me considering I've, I've been through it and I've lived through it and it is awful. And probably the worst thing that I could have gone through, like, I literally had to sit in a dark room and do nothing. I had to go through tests. I am more likely to get dementia at an early age. I am more likely to lose my memory at an early, like I'm, there's so many, I I have headaches and my headaches are to the 10th degree because my brain is so weak and it's so, so, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but I've had brain trauma to it that it's, 
I, I slid headfirst into a concrete wall running at full speed and I blacked out and like I didn't know where I was and I didn't know what I was doing and I was 15. Your brain stops developing for the most part at age 25. My brain was in the prime stages of development when that happened and it messes with your development to the rest of your life. And so normalizing the conversation around mental health and normalizing feelings and I'm going to bring this in as well. This is a really long power play, but it's important. Nick Castellanos is a Chicago Cub, first and foremost. Um, he was brought over to the Cubs at the trade deadline this year from the Detroit Tigers. And this man is probably one of the most, he is, he's filled with all this wisdom. His, his motto is every day is opening day because what's in the past is in the past and what's about to happen hasn't happened yet. If you start every day like it's opening day, the season is yours for the taking. And so he lives every day as a fresh new, fresh new day. And he has a bunch of those little sayings that he does and a bunch of ways of thinking that are just, wow, this is a, a breath of fresh air. And Joe Madden, the Cubs manager, had come out and said, you know, the way I love the way he approaches the game. I love the way that he he plays baseball. But first and foremost, I love the way that he is as a person. I love how he cares for other people. I love how he is a positive, a positive influence in our locker room and for our players. And I love how he's come to this team and he's wanted to positively impact it. That's that's not him as a baseball player. That's him as a person. And that's him as as a human being. And I appreciate that. And I love being around that every day. And Nick Castellanos and Derek Holland, who's a relief pitcher for us, um, did an interview on 670 The Score, which is the sports radio station in Chicago. And the guy hosting the show, I, his name is slipping me right now, but he had brought that up. He had brought up the conversation that Joe Madden had that's saying, I, I, I really love who he is as a person. And there's a video to this conversation. And you can see Nick Castellanos starts crying. He's crying in front of this room full of people doing this interview on a live interview, live TV, everything. It was broadcast on WGN and he's crying and he's not holding it back. And they ask him, why, why, why are you crying? This was like a, a couple weeks ago. And they asked him, why, why are you crying? And he's like, well, it, it means so much to me that he's looking at me as more than just a ball player, that he's, he's complimenting me on my character, not my, my on-field successes or failures. He's, He's complimenting me on as a person. And in this industry, it's so hard to come across people like that because it's all about how you perform. It's all about who, who you are on the baseball field. It's not about how you are in the locker room. It's not about how you, how you, who you are on the bus, on the plane, in the hotel. Like it's about that's, that's what our, our, our culture has kind of just shaped into. And he's like, it means a lot to me. He's full on crying. He's like, it, it means a lot to me that he sees me as more than just a baseball player. And for athletes, we need to see them as more as just, as more than just a hockey player, a football player, a baseball player, a soccer player. We need to see them as a human being, a man, a brother, a son, a father, a, a husband. You need to see them as someone who is just like us that just happens to have more spotlight in the media because they play a professional sport. And I, I give props to Andrew Luck for, for what he's doing and, and putting himself in his health first because it's really hard to do. And when I did it, it was obviously not at that high of a level, but I had to sit down and say to myself and say to my parents, I cannot play anymore. I physically and mentally cannot play anymore because it is, it's, it's, it's ripping me apart and it's ripping my body apart. And I'm seeing the repercussions of that now with all the injuries that I'm sustaining. And I see it in my mental health every single day and my mental health has improved since I stopped playing, but it's also turned into kind of a retirement thing. I am very much stuck in the cycle of what do I do now? I, I, I can't play organized sports the way I used to. I can't, 
the workouts that I do have to be modified due to my, my limitations with my back and my knee and now my shoulder. It's, it's a very different, it's a very different field to navigate because I used to be able to, to play volleyball for seven days straight, crush an entire pizza. Like I used to be able to, to get on a plane and get on a bus and go and play with my teammates and, and do all of that and train and work hard and, and now I can't. I can't do it in that capacity. I, I have to do it in a lower capacity, and that's really, really hard. And he's probably going to face that over the next couple of days. But you and fans giving him, giving him shit for making that decision, it's only going to make it worse. You need to be there and support those athletes when they choose to put themselves in their mental health first because it has not been like that. And the tide is turning. It's not fully there. But the tide is turning, and it's an important conversation to have, and it's one that I'm going to continue to have with people until they understand that putting yourself first and your mental health first is what matters. That is the most important thing that you can do for yourself. And that was a very long winded power play, but it was something that no, needed to be said. And I'm passionate I was gonna about say, like, I feel like that's, you're right. Like, I think the, the, um, the tide is changing and things are changing across major league sports. And I, I mean, I genuinely think that mental health should be discussed and I think it should be taken into consideration when you look at these players. They're not, like I said earlier, they're not robots. Like they are, they're real people that have real lives and it, like, it sucks. Like watching Andrew Luck being that upset and watching other players being upset when they have to step away from the game because they know that they can't play anymore because their body won't let them like that's the, you like that's like being forced to step away from something you love is never easy and like you were saying like for some of these guys they've been playing these sports since they were like tiny children like they don't know anything else and like I just I don't know I just wish people would take it a little bit more seriously and I know one of the one one of the comments that really upset me was Doug Gottlieb, which he's a freaking idiot to begin with. Start there. But he basically called Andrew Luck a whiny baby. And he called, he was like, this is such a millennial thing for him to be lazy, which also drives me insane. I hate when people say anything about millennials and like anything that, and by people, I mean, older people. So not everybody is like this, obviously, but that generation just like can't stand that we do things. We being millennials, I'm not sure that you actually. I'm not a millennial. I am a Gen I didn't X think so. or Gen Z. I'm like the very end of it. Yeah, um, I am not a millennial. But it's like, like, it's just hard for like that generation to cut younger people some slack because they're changing the way things are done, and it just sucks. Like I. I can't believe that Doug Gottlieb said, I mean, I, I can believe it. Cause like I said, he's an idiot, but like, I just, for you to come out and say something like that and to basically make fun of somebody because they are going through a very rough time in their life where they're deciding to step away from something they love because they can't mentally and physically handle it anymore. Like you are an absolute scumbag. Like it just, I don't know. It, it's changing and I think people are having a hard time with that, but I think we're going to start seeing more athletes step away from sports, from their sports because of either mental health issues or combination of mental health and physical health issues. It's, it was the worst, like to this day, I've only been on this earth for 21 years, but 
To this day, it was the hardest decision I've ever had to make. Harder than choosing a college, harder than choosing my major, harder than anything else that I've ever done in my life. Obviously, I'm not a professional athlete, so I did not have to do it at that high level, but I, I was an elite athlete in high school. I played for the top club in the Midwest. I played every single day, every single week. Like it was, it was grueling and it was the hardest decision. I, so many, so many nights regretting it. So many nights screaming, crying, thrashing, like throwing things. I, I, I went through such a dark, dark time. And it was right after coming out of the worst year of my life. It was just adding on to it. And there's, I, I look at it as like, there's, there's a hole in my heart and it, it, it can't be filled with anything else. That's, that's my athletic piece of me that I've been playing sports. I played my first organized sports when I was two and a half years old. Like I've been playing sports all the way up until I was 19 years old. And so to suddenly stop and not have that outlet, it is very, very frustrating. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do, but I know deep in my heart and deep in my mind that it was the best thing for me because if I kept playing, I would have kept getting injured and I really would have ruined things for the rest of my life. I mean, I've had chronic back pain for the last six years of my life. I'm going to have chronic back pain for the rest of my life. I had shoulder surgery this past, this past winter and it still affects me every day. I sprained my MCL and my ACL this summer and I still have a month and a half of PT left from that because I, I re-injured it in the middle of my rehab. It's, it's an ongoing process of trying to get back into it and trying to get back into it and, and it failing because my body's like, you physically can't do this anymore. You can't. And mentally it affects you really, really bad. And it, it, for me, I mean, it's different for everyone, but mentally for me, it's, it's something that has contributed to my mental health in, in not a positive way. Um, but trying to find different outlets and finding different things to do has been a struggle, but I'm, I'm still continuing to try and find things and I'm still continuing to try and get back into it. So it's, it's hard, but let's wrap this thing up because this has been a long podcast, uh, <laughs> but we've got a couple countdowns. I put countdowns on here as we're getting closer to the end Yay. of the summer. So we've got 16 days until the Blackhawks preseason begins. We've got 40, 34 days until the regular season begins and 40 days until the Blackhawks home opener, which your girl caught tickets. So I am going to be at the home opener, which is very exciting uh, versus the San Jose Sharks. I'm trying to go to a preseason game. Haven't gotten anything on the books yet. I still have a couple Cubs games left that I'm going to so gotta finish cub season baseball season first but uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast we know that this one's a longer one especially in august but the it was nice that we waited a little bit because we had a lot to talk about so we filled up some airtime here and especially not posting this past week with me starting school yeah. and megan being under the weather um, it just worked out that way but Thank you for coming back again this week. We truly appreciate it. Uh, we're so excited for the regular season to get going, so we have a lot more content to talk about. Our social medias are going to be up and active a lot more than they are now, uh, which will be very exciting, and uh, we just can't wait for it, and we thank you for coming back. Make sure you subscribe, comment, all that good stuff, um, and we will see you guys next week. Have a good weekend and a good week. Long weekend. Woo! Yes, woo -hoo. Bye.